Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with Lucinda Kenmit on the pod. I've known Lucinda for a number of years. Um, she lives in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I knew her um, when I used to live there. And I'm excited to introduce you to Lucinda as she's really passionate about using yoga as a tool for healthy and happy aging. Lucinda found yoga after years of running and completing several marathons. She was initially drawn to the physical practice, but she quickly discovered that yoga resonated strongly and impacted every aspect of her life. She has multiple yoga training certificates. She has certificates from the Kunga School, the Kunga Yoga School, Universal Yoga, Yoga for Seniors and Bone Health Certificate, Trauma-Informed Levels 1 and 2 Yoga, through Sandara Yoga Therapy and other advanced certificates. In 2022, she will finish an 800-hour program through Inner Peace Yoga Therapy to become a certified yoga therapist. And her passion is in teaching yoga for happy and healthy aging. She loves the whole person approach to wellness that is offered through the applications of yoga therapy. And Lucinda is the mother of four human and three canine children, Yoga practices and philosophy have become the pillar of being present, joyful, and strong in her role as a mother. Lucinda loves to travel. She loves outdoor activities with her extended family, including mountain hiking, visiting the shores of Lake Michigan from their lake home in Bear Lake, Michigan, and skiing the the slopes of Colorado in the winter. And so I'm excited to share this conversation. I hope that it inspires you to try something new and to view aging through a different lens. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Lucinda Kenmet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Healer podcast. This week, you're in for a treat. I have Lucinda Kenmet on as a guest, and I know Lucinda from when our children were young, and we both lived in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. She still lives there, and her name has been coming up in my consciousness for a while now as someone that I'd love to um, have on the podcast because she strikes me as someone who is really curious and engaged in lifelong learning. She is a yoga teacher and working towards her degree in yoga therapy. She is this adventuresome traveler who has traveled all over the world and who has, it, it looks to me like she has um, given her children that love of adventure and travel and expanding horizons in that way too. And so um, Lucinda, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Avine. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. And so, you know, as we were talking before we press record, there's really so many directions I think we could begin to take this. But I think you have this real passion for 
um, yoga and for teaching yoga to um, seniors, to older people, to people who are in the stage of their life where they're starting to age and face aging. And um, could we just talk a little bit to start about how you got into that, that, that area? That is a great story. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I, when I was doing my, um, I, I came to yoga as a, a runner and a very active mom leading all sorts of different programs and Girl Scouts. And I've always had a part-time marketing job that I've maintained through all these years of yoga. So um, I came to yoga as a way of doing cross training for the Marine Corps Marathon. Wow. And um, <laughs> so, and then I, um, I went to my first yoga class and, um, and I just kind of stopped at the end and I, and I, I just, the thought, the words that came to my mind were, wow, I loved that. You know, it was just this, I knew I was in a good place from that moment on. And um, so then I, I practiced for a couple of years. Um, I took a trip to um, India with a yoga studio based out of North Carolina. And that was 10 days of just um, my mind being opened in so many different and beautiful ways. Um, and, you know, it, interesting story to the side of that is after India, we went to Israel and um, the contrast between those two countries in one vacation was very, wow. very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, um, when I came back from that trip, I decided to enroll in yoga teacher training. And I did that through the studio in North Carolina. It's called Kunga Yoga. It's in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I went down one week in a month to to North Carolina, which was lovely in the Wisconsin winters. <laughs> and so then uh, I had to do like eight practice sessions as part of my training. And there was this group at my church of women. Oh gosh, I forget what they called themselves, but they got together every Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the lobby at Trinity Lutheran Church and had their exercise group. And it was led by this woman in her mid eighties and she had 10 pound weights and she was doing all this stuff. And I asked them, can I teach yoga to you guys one day a week to get some yoga practice? And they were like, of course, that would be great. You know? And so they called it their stretching, which, you know, yoga is way, 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 way more than stretching, but they called it their stretching. And then they right. had to make sure they kept me to a half an hour because they had to do the weightlifting. <laughs> but that was my first, uh, my first teaching in that. And then the other way, and I loved it. It was so fun. I loved doing it. I loved seeing their faces. And, and then I went on to teach at a studio here owned by Wendy Oberg. And I know, you know, um, the yoga room and Wendy at I started teaching senior yoga two days a week there, and we built this great community and program. And now I'm independently teaching uh, three different classes a week, uh, four different classes a week that are specific for seniors. And um, and even today, the best part of teaching is to see people's faces after class. You know, when you finish a yoga class, an hour of of being mindful and breathing deeply and being aware and strengthening, you know, my classes are never easy. I, I do not believe that easy is the right thing mm -hmm. for this um, demographic. We need strengthening. We need um, fluidity. We need um, somatic movement, you know, all these things. We definitely need the breath work. And, but at the end of the class, when you look out at that group of students, their faces are just so bright. You know, I always say, like, I wish I could bring a camera <laughs> or I wish I had a photographer hired to take each of your pictures at the end of class. Because, 
it is just such a, it's, it's so beautiful to see how yoga can um, just create this sense of vitality in people that wasn't there when they walked in the door. So, yeah. So that's how I, I got that. into Yeah. And I, I, you know, even as you're talking about that, I, you know, I love that you started teaching in the, the atrium of a church. I mean, I think a lot of people have ideas about yoga, that it's different, that they don't understand it, that for some people it scares them. And so I, the, the fact that you're, you know, bringing senior citizens to the practice and seeing, um, seeing positive change is exciting to hear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And that's definitely something that comes up a lot. Um, one of my classes, they call themselves the class of recovering Catholics and they're all still practicing Catholics, but you know, there's something, um, about the practice of yoga. That's just that a very, it's, it's a very different, um, teaching about the relationship with self than, than we've grown up in at Christian churches. So it's been a very interesting space to hold for people that it's, it's okay to open up your mind and see things in a different way. And it's in fact, healthy and helpful <laughs> to do this. So, right. And that you must be presenting it in a way that's, you know, calming fears or calming discomfort about trying something new, because um, I had a, a grandmother who always talked about like that she had lived too long. She was, what, what would she say that she's, you know, um, she's not going to change her spots like a cheetah, you know, she, she was who she was. And so this idea of trying something new and, um, at any age is exciting. Yes. Yeah. And that growth mindset. Yes. Well, and I think like, you know, we learn in yoga that, um, the self, the, the core is the only thing that's unchanging. You know, you've heard the word Purusha from Samkhya philosophy. So that core is unchanging. And um, I think helping people see that everything else is an experience that that they get to, to have some agency over, you know, so they get to choose a little bit about how they respond to, you know, bad things can happen. And what we can choose is our response. You know, is that a Viktor Frankl quote? I think, you know, that... Um, the, the greatest, the last great freedom is the freedom to choose one's attitude in any set of circumstances. And I think, you know, at its core, yoga gives you the space to be able to, to see that you are not your body, you're not your thoughts, you're not your emotions, you're not even your beliefs, you are what can see all of those things. And that's just a little bit of space around it. Sure. So that you can make different choices, you know. So that's a big part of what I hope to impart in my students you know, over years, that's not something that, that happens on day one. But exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And can you talk about specifically yogic ideas and prevailing thoughts about aging and how, because I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that practice um, that may be again, countercultural to what you know, to the battle that some people see on aging or this desire that things don't change when inevitably they're, they're changing all the time for all of us. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So you're, I, you may be familiar with the idea of the ashramas um, from the yoga sutras, the four stages of life. And um, so the four stages are, were just developed at a time that people, that the idea was that if you are 
in well in a, a state of wellness that most people can live to be about 100. So mm-hmm. the ashramas are in 25 year increments, you know, and um, the first one being kind of the kapha time, the growth, the learning, the knowledge gaining. The second one being, you know, your productive time, the time that you have children, the time that you're very engaged in the world. And that's ages 25 to 50. And I'm 51. And the next stage is called the, um, oh, I forget the name of it. We'll have to look that up. But um, it's it's coined the forest dweller stage. So stage 50 through 75 age 50 through 75 is the time that you can be of the world still, but not, not as subject to the ups and downs, the, um, the highs and lows of the world. And I love that phrase, the forest dweller. <laughs> so that just makes me so happy. I'm like, I can be a forest dweller. This is a great me idea. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, um, but it, and it's the time that, you know, I, I think of it also as um, when you read about it, What comes to me is that it's a time that your perspective has widened a little bit. You've seen a lot of what's happening in the world and you've seen how people are are impacted by what's happening in the world. And um, yeah, I just think of it as like you're you're climbing up the mountain a little bit and you can see a little bit more broadly. Um, So that's the first thing I would say is that I really try to like encourage this embracing of this 25 year increment as a time of more joy and a wider perspective and um, uh, the ability to love more freely. You know, I think that 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 comes across a lot too. Um, And then the other thing that really just kind of, uh, I like to layer into that is that idea of purpose. And, And to me personally, purpose is extremely important. Um, And I really think it's more important than we, than we give it credit for, for most people, you know, you, um, when you think of helping uh, people and and helping them be happier and live more fully, you know, having some purpose just seems to rise up as a way that allows people to live with more vibrancy and joy. And so when you read about this stage of life, Um, or you think about the purpose of someone in this age, you know, I think it's really beautiful. The, the, um, the idea of helping teach other people how to live in joy and the idea of making loving other people, one of the highest priorities of our life. I mean, that's a, a great thing that people in this third ashrama can be modeling, for people who are in the other two ashramas. So there's a place to go, you know, so it's, um, it's not like we see, you know, we have this kind of cultural idea that as people age, everything's fading, like you said, you know, you're going to lose this at this age and this at this mm-hmm. age, and this whole thing down. And I see it as a, um, an elevation, a, a growth, a um, broader perspective. And I think the more that we can model that, so that there doesn't have to be this kind of whole fear of, because with fear also comes urgency, you know, like I have to do this when I'm 40 because I'm going to be 50 next year and who knows if I'll be able to do it, you know, like, so, so it just creates this whole kind of, um, this mindset around urgency and um, attachment. And we know that attachment can be something that causes suffering. You know, we get attached to all these things because we think that when they're gone, we don't have something to look forward to. So I'm not sure I answered your question. I love that because I think that that third ashrama as well, I think of it as the time 
to mentor and to give back to your larger community. You know, once your, your children are raised or the grandparent stage where you're, you're helping and assisting and lending wisdom in these ways that are maybe less concrete, but so important to healthy communities and family structures and societal structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Great. And, and so you know, the and fourth ashrama, the fourth ashrama is, is much more of a spiritual stage. And, you know, I think it's important to be able to look forward to that too. Like, you know, um, so to have a strong spiritual foundation woven through all of this so that when you're in that 80, they, I, I was studying with someone who said it was kind of 80 plus now. So it's supposed to be every 25 years, but we can push it back a little right. bit, I guess. But yeah. So, and you know, and the other thing is that um, it's interesting. I see such a range in, um, in kind of uh, this, this mindset of, um, am I, how do I, um, how, how do I relate to my body in these ages? You know, um, and I see such diversity in this. I see some people that are, um, that are very like, you know, just a very, um, uplifting attitude about their body. Like, you know, yeah, this might be wrong, but I'm still strong. I'm still capable. I'm going to go out and do this. And they just kind of keep moving and keep doing and keep growing. And then I, you know, I see people that haven't had that mindset. And I just think that this, like, from where I sit, this like 50 to 60 age bracket is so critical for adopting healthy habits and, um, you know, practices of getting outside and moving your body and becoming more aware of your body. And yoga is, is all of these things, you know, so yeah. Beautiful. And that you're creating a space because I think, you know, I've never walked into a yoga class, anything new yoga, you know, any exercise group class. Um, it feels like the older we get sometimes trying new things becomes like the barrier becomes higher. And so just the fact that you're creating a space in a community for this group, um, I think is really, really key and, um, creating a sense of community, a sense of, uh, I, I think there's, it's helpful when we see other people, we can be inspired by other people doing what we think we can't do. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always, I always tell people when I'm on my mat, when I'm practicing yoga or in my chair, you know, when I'm in that space, I, it, if I'm doing a practice for me, I imagine that there's this dome around me. You know, I am not, I am in my space. This is my mat. And I you know, so encourage people to think of it that way. And, you know, it's sometimes helpful to see what other people are doing if you don't know what to do. <laughs> but, but other than that, you know, just, and it's, you're right. I mean, you, what you said is so true. There's so many times that like somebody will see somebody else kind of struggling a little bit or pushing through something that was hard or challenging or maybe falling over out of tree pose or whatever, you know, and they'll say, okay, I'm not the only one, you know, I, I'm, they become, um, they just, their stress level goes down, realizing that we're all just walking each other home. We're all figuring all this stuff out. And, um, so yeah, that is a very, um, being in community for these practices is very powerful for many reasons. And that for sure is one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so now you are in the process of, um, studying yoga therapy, which is a big undertaking. 
Um, could you talk a little bit about what drew you to yoga therapy, what you love about it? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. The more I um, get into it. So I, um, I love working with people and I also am very cognizant of being authentic. You know, I, I really, um, yoga is an interesting um, uh, study or science because it's the science of experience. You know, it's not something you can read in a book. So really in order to teach something, you have to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yoga therapy, when I started, when I was, I realized how much I loved teaching and I was like, how am I going to continue this? And, and how can I continue to evolve myself as well as, you know, I'd like to be able to, um, I'd like to be able to make this my next career. I've been in marketing for a long, long time and I've loved it. Um, and I have a great company that I work for. Um, but you know, I would eventually like to kind of phase into continuing to teach yoga and to provide yoga therapy services to people. So the, the, uh, yoga therapy program was a very structured program that made me feel like, okay, this is going to be something that I can now take forward into. There are many healthcare systems that hire yoga therapists now. So it's kind of recognized as a little bit of a bridge between um, our modern medicine and yoga. So that just seemed like a really good fit for all of these reasons for me mm-hmm. um, as a great career that I will love. And then I feel like I can be effective at. So that's kind of the why. Um, and I can tell you a little bit more about what it is if you'd like, or sure. um, so sure I have people listening who don't know. Yeah. So yoga therapy is generally done in individual with individuals one-on-one or in small groups of people that have similar kind of health challenges. Mm-hmm. So yoga itself is a spiritual path. That is, you know, the essence of yoga is a way of increasing your connection with God, however you view God. The essence of yoga therapy is to help people heal um, so that they can pursue yoga. <laughs> you know, that's how it's kind of laid out in the, sure. in the information. Because if you're not, if you're suffering from mental illness or a physical ailment, it's difficult to practice yoga as a spiritual um, practice. So yeah. the, um, so yoga therapy is intended for healing. And um, I really kind of like to think about, I think this, you know, I've heard this a few places lately and um, the idea of healing versus curing and healing is kind of this bringing a person back to wholeness is the definition of healing. Mm -hmm. So you can cure someone without healing them and you can heal someone without curing them. And yoga therapy is all about helping people heal themselves. Um, So that's why I love it. The word, every definition of yoga therapy I've seen has the word empower Mm -hmm. in it. And I love that word. That word just lights up like my whole being, because I want to empower people to be healthier and happier. I know I can't do that for them. Sure. So it's, so it's my job as a yoga therapist to have a good understanding, enough of an understanding of the tools to have experienced the tools myself so that I know, so that I have a sense of what would be helpful to share with my clients. Um, and you know, people are very well specify in the yoga therapy field. There are some people that are yoga therapists specifying in spinal health, for example, and they've done a, they have tremendous amount of experience with scoliosis. There are some people that specialize in yoga therapy practices for addiction recovery. 
Um, there are people that specialize in um, a lot of the people that I've been training with are psychotherapists mm-hmm. who are also becoming yoga therapists. So they're going to bring yoga into their yoga practices, like breathing practices and meditation and some embodiment practices. They're going to bring these things into their sessions with clients as a psychotherapist. Um, so you really, I think um, you can go in a lot of different directions with the certification that um, I'm going to be getting. Do you so, know what area you want to specify in? That is such a good question. I'm still kind of working through that. Um, I have been working a couple of things that I've done, I think really speak to me. Um, first of all, I'd love to do some small groups. So like a yoga for healthy and happy aging, just some mm-hmm. kind of cycling through some small groups. Sure. Where we go through um, all the different koshas, the, the different you know, the physical body, the energetic body, the emotional body, all the different practices that can be helpful for aging in like a six to eight week series. Um, and then I also really have um, enjoyed working with yoga for cancer survivors. There's so much, I, you know, the cancer journey um, is so difficult. You know, we even, we could even call it fighting. You know, we, we, we fight cancer and so we're fighting ourselves, you know, so helping, um, so helping people re-embody in a positive way after they've been through that, that treatment process, um, I think can be so powerful. There's a woman in Boulder who has specialized in that. And she was one of my, I've done two different kind of weekend trainings with her. And, um, so she's got a lot of information that she shared with us about the best way to do that. So that's a really, um, I think that's a really powerful application for, for yoga therapy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, re-entry or integration after, I think, um, I think often people feel as if, you know, the, the course of treatment is so intensive and then, you know, say for radiation, they ring that bell and then they're just set free um, to put themselves back together per se. So I think that your work or the work of a yoga therapist could be so healing in that, in that instance in particular. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So interesting. Lucinda, I wonder, you know, um, I, I invite people onto this podcast who I see as living wholeheartedly. And so I wonder how your experience with motherhood and life and yoga, do you orient yourself? Do you, do you find that you're that you work to live wholeheartedly? Is it something that's natural for you? You know, you seem as someone who has a really positive affect, someone who probably sees the world as the glass is half full to begin with, but um, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, for sure. So I have um, four kids. The oldest is 23 and the youngest is 13. Um, And I was divorced from their father four years ago now. So it's been, um, so that's been, uh, um, so it's, you know, there have definitely been some challenging times over the last five years. And I think, um, so it's not always easy. You know, there are so many times that things are difficult and, and you can reflect later on at night and say, okay, well, I could have probably paused and taken a few breaths before I had that conversation with my daughter or my son or, you know, um, any of those things. But, um, and, and, you know, and 
And there's also my extended family too. You know, I spend a lot of time with my extended family. And so that's always, you know, I've heard spiritual teachers say like, you can think that you're doing great and then go spend a weekend with your <laughs> extended yeah, family and then see how you're doing, you know? So, um, but you know, it's really great that I, I was just reflecting as, as right before you asked that question, like one of the things that I think is really powerful to think about is that we need to do the work of, of mindfulness and positive mental, you know, kind of affirmations. We need to do this work when things are going well, so that when things start falling down around us, we have the tools to fall back on, you know, and, um, and so I, I really love that my kids are all open to having these conversations with me. You know, like three years ago, there was still a little bit of like, oh, mom's talking about yoga again, turn off, <laughs> you know, turn up the music or whatever. And, and one by one, all four of them have become interested and open to learning more about yoga. Um, so yeah, so I, it's, it's lovely. It's all, I, I get so much hope. You alluded to this at the beginning. I, you know, I get so much hope and um, enthusiasm and excitement out of the fact that I know that yoga is something that I can always grow into. There's no finish line. There's, there's right. no, I'm done now. There's no advanced yoga. You know, it's like, it is this lifelong opportunity to continue to learn and grow. And I'm just super grateful. My kids let me share that with them. And, you know, my mom comes to my yoga classes now because Zoom was a great, Zoom has been a great um, thing for many reasons. And um, we never would have adopted Zoom as, as a good platform for yoga teaching if it wasn't for the pandemic. And so now I get family coming to my, <laughs> some of my Zoom classes sometimes, which is just lovely. So That's yeah, wonderful. so I feel like, I feel like I can integrate more, um, but I also um, feel good about the integration that I have been able to do in terms of bringing everything that I've learned kind of into the platform of what I do every day, you know? Yeah. So. And how do you see your experience with yoga, with um, all that you've learned, how does it inspire you to be a global citizen, to be um, an active citizen in the town that the, you know, the tiny part of the world that you call home. What do you think about that? Yeah, I am. Um, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, the very first, very first teaching, if you study um, Raja yoga and the eight limbs is, you know, the idea of non-harming. And I think about that all the time and um, how can we move through the world and um, always have in the front of our mind that the idea of supporting all the life forms that are here, you know, the animals and the people and the plants. And, um, but I also think like it can become very overwhelming for people. So what I, um, I find myself a lot of times kind of really feeling inspired to be kind of the voice in the middle, the, the, um, the voice that says, what can you do today? You talked about this, Avine, when I took that class with you a couple weeks ago, and it was, so inspiring and so in line with the way that I, I carry myself is, you know, whatever's in, I love when you said this, whatever's in front of you is yours to do, you know? So instead of getting overwhelmed by everything and, and my 20 year old daughters can really go down rabbit holes of like, how are we going to fix the world and yeah. what are we going to do? And, um, you know, 
the, the, the thing is, what can you do today? Who can you love more today? Who can you bring into your circle today? And, and really staying focused on that, because I truly believe that if every single one of us, like, or more of us even approaches our daily life with that mindset of who can we bring in, you know, who can we enclose in our circle of love? Um, and I've, I've had a couple of meetings with our, um, our local school board, for example, and shared that same type of thing, you know, let's, how, how can you bring people in, you know, how can we include more people, love more people, you know, so that's, that's the main thing that I'm doing right now. And will that expand in the future? I'm not sure because I have thought about whether or not my role in life might be a little bit broader in terms of community support. But for right now, <laughs> that's the, the message that I'm trying to share with people. Well, and I think when that, you know, when, when who can I love more today, that's such a beautiful statement and love will put us to work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so that there's no lack of work in our, in our, family in our sphere and our community, if we really approach life with that attitude, um, I feel like the universe will, will, um, I, I did a podcast about this. My dad asking that question, like leaving room, like a question mark, like today, you know, universe or spirit, like what's mine to do. And so I think that's a really beautiful practice, Lucinda, and one that, um, you know, if, if we're both lucky enough to live to a hundred years, our work won't be done, you know, that it'll, there's, there's never going to be a lack of work. Um, if that's our question. And I think yep. it's a really beautiful question <laughs> to ask and to, <laughs> to model for our kids. Cause I agree that, um, there, there's a lot of polarity. There's a lot of overwhelming, um, things happening in this world right now, especially for our, our kids and young people. So that, to, to be practical and to model, um, you know, the next right step or, or what's in front of us today so that we can feel effective and loving as humans is a really important skill to show our children. Yeah. And so we were just, I was um, in a training this past week, as you know, and we um, worked with a woman who's trained in the Kundalini tradition, and she's also has a PhD in health psychology. She was just lovely. She's been practicing yoga for 50 years and, um, and so she, we talked a lot about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And, um, and we, you know, we've covered that through, that's been woven, you know, understanding the nervous system has been woven through my trainings now all along. And um, so it's always great to dive a little deeper. But one thing that she talked about is that when we are acting from our sympathetic nervous system, it's difficult to um, make decisions with clarity. And, you know, we think about, we talk about the sympathetic nervous system as the fight or flight. And you think about like actions, but she was taking it to the level of thoughts, you know, like, so recognizing how depending on whether or not we're in the sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system kind of modality, how that impacts our ability to see clearly and to have that broader perspective that I was talking about before. So that's the other place where the yoga practices come into play is this ability to, um, to increase our, um, our access to our parasympathetic nervous system through the breath practices, through mindfulness, through, um, you know, meditation so that we can have that, um, kind of broader perspective and not get kind of pulled into a, a fight or flight or a fear-based mindset. So that's just tying back in why I think that yoga is such a, 
important and impactful modality moving, you know, help to help people. Yeah. And I think it's such an exciting time really to be alive because I think this ancient practice of yoga is now intersecting with neuroscience and, and my oldest daughter is working this summer doing research on exactly what you're talking about in neuroscience. And, and, um, and so, you know, you as a yoga therapist, I think will be this beautiful bridge, you know, helping bridge those two worlds that in the future, I think will be, will just be one world, but we're in this moment where we're, we're still looking back to this tradition and forward to what we're learning scientifically. And, and so we need people like you who are bridging that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I I tell my parents that all the time that I think like in 10 or 20 years, healthcare is going to look different. And I really believe that I think there'll be more integration of an understanding of how lifestyle and stress and diet and um, all those things have an impact on your ability to heal. Yeah. Let's hope so, because we need some changes, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lucinda, it was a joy talking with you. Is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you'd like to chat about? No, this has been lovely. Thank you for having me and letting me speak about these things that I love to talk about. Well, and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And um, I'll link, do you offer those um, yoga classes? Zoom? Are you Zooming still? I am Zooming and I'm in person also. Some classes are only Zoom and some are both, but I can give you my website. Yeah. So if anyone listening um, for themselves or their parents or someone in their life that they think would be a great fit, it might be fun to connect them to you. So we'll make sure and do that in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lucinda. Thank you.